Good afternoon, everyone. Well, I guess it's not afternoon. It could be evening or morning or three in the morning, um, depending on where you're listening and when you're listening, because the wonderful thing about a podcast is you can listen at your convenience wherever you are in the world. So while it is afternoon here, um, it is later in the afternoon. And amazingly, my workday has wrapped up uh, a little bit early, which is kind of nice. I will not be still working when my alarm on my phone goes off at 6.30 to say, hey, you need to put work away for the day. So that is kind of a win for me. That's That's been one of my big struggles ever since uh, I really, uh, before COVID, I had a hybrid. I was lucky enough to have a hybrid schedule. And that has continued now that we have, I guess we could say, the the new normal. Um, But I've struggled um, during the time of COVID. Um, Believe it or not, the world of tech where I am in was incredibly busy, um, especially as many places tried to quickly adapt to going from in the office to working from home. It led to um, things being incredibly busy, which was very good. Uh, it just meant that I ended up working a lot of long hours. And, you know, that's that was okay, because what else was I going to do? Uh, there wasn't sports. There wasn't, you know, going out with, with friends. All of that sort of stuff was just kind of kind of on hold. The bad thing is, is I got stuck in the habit of that mindset of there's always more to do. There's always more to do. And that's just, it's a me problem. It's not a... Um, not like the company I work for was jamming it down my throat saying, you must have all this done by tomorrow. It was just me and my brain and how it works of wanting to be a couple of steps ahead, which led to me, you know, I naturally move deadlines closer. So I want to get them done sooner and get it off my plate. And all of that led to me struggling to find a good work-life balance. Uh, it is still a, still a challenge at times for me, but um, I'm doing better. And obviously days like today kind of prove that, especially since, to be honest, it's a Monday. I normally like to record these podcasts um, prior to the day before they're released, just to have a little time to let it digest. And, and if I think I don't care for it, I can go back and redo the whole thing. I, I don't, believe it or not, I don't edit sections in or out. If I flub and stumble and stutter or, you know, have all the things that can naturally happen when we're, when we're speaking, I don't edit those out because those are, that's me being me. And that moment, I was having a moment of, of struggle. And so you get to hear it. Uh, I am not trying to, I guess, make this super, super smooth or super professional sounding. It's just me. And I kind of want it to reflect me being me, which involves showing my uh, flubs, dubs, and and mistakes and moments when my brain goes blank. And even though I have notes on my page, um, yeah. So it's, it's me being me, me trying to be as authentic as I can. And being authentic means sharing the, the mistakes with you. So I hope you don't mind that, um, but that's that's how I do this. Anyway, um, things that are new in my life. Um, not too much, actually, this week. My 
my sync project uh, was was completed. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but uh, ended up it was just time and things broke. And luckily, I caught it before uh, there was a geyser in the kitchen. Uh, but uh, I was. I, I am. I enjoy doing home repairs, home projects, uh, but plumbing and electrical are definitely not strong suits for me. Um, so this was a bit of a challenge because it was obviously plumbing related. Uh, the hardest part of the journey was actually the removal, removing the old stuff. That was the incredible hard part. The installation of the new stuff was really smooth and easy. So that is the one bit of exciting news I have. And I guess it's not all that exciting, but for me, it is nice to have a uh, working sink and faucet in the kitchen. Uh, so, you know, all the wonderful things like a dishwasher can run and, you know, making coffee in the morning is much easier because the water's right next to the coffee pot. So, yeah, all of that came out really well. And let's move in to from, from broken sinks Let's right move, transition from that right over to the wonderful world of BDSM. It's not really a smooth or easy transition to go from. Um, so once again, you see the lack of slickness I have. There was no crazy music or a message to segue in there. But uh, we're going to continue our 2024 BDSM Odyssey um, this week with um, going into safe words and safety nets. And the point of the podcast, or at least what I'm going to attempt to get across in the podcast today, is just how important safety is when it comes to the lifestyle. And safety really starts, and this is something I firmly believe, is that safety starts and ends with each of us as individuals. Um, it's going to sound very much like a parent, but it all comes down to us making good choices. Now, we can make excellent choices and still have bad things happen to us. Unfortunately, that happens. But the majority of the time, we as individuals make a couple of bad choices that snowball and we find ourselves kind of like a cartoon character running from a giant snowball that's running downhill about to splat us. Um, sometimes we are lucky enough with our bad choices to dodge that snowball. Other times it runs us over, like in the cartoons. Um, sometimes just resulting in a life lesson uh, with no lingering ill effects. And other times it can flatten us and, and really hurt us. So it really comes down to making good choices. And today I hope that we can talk about how to implement things to help us uh, make better choices because in the lifestyle, our safety comes down to the choices and decisions each of us makes. There are some out there who will argue that safety in the lifestyle rests more in a dominant's hands um, than a submissive's hands. And I can definitely understand and see where that, that point of view comes from. Um, I believe that, yes, in a relationship, part of a dominant's job is to be um, the person that keeps things safe, creates safe spaces. But where a lot of things go bump in the lifestyle is when 
we are not with a trusted, committed partner. Either we're building, we think we're building with somebody, and they have sort of nefarious motives, or we are, it doesn't matter whether you're a dom or sub, you're kind of frenzied, you're needing, you're needing some lifestyle activity, you're needing some play or activity, something in that drive, that need to have it, need to have it now, kind of lets, overwhelms us and we make decisions that perhaps we wouldn't have made otherwise. And that puts us into situations where that giant snowball starts to roll down the mountain at us. So let's talk about how we can how we can do better and how we can hopefully um, keep bad things from happening to all of the good people that listen to the podcast. Because look, if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely a good person. Um, I just know that. And I actually do believe that. So let's let's dive in. Um, the other day, I saw an anonymous blog post um, from a submissive detailing a bad experience that they had uh, where their consent was, was violated. Um, but the whole process started with... Um, and this is not, I'm not trying to blame the submissive in any way, shape, or form. But I'm, I want to be honest and say that they, they made some poor decisions. For example, they met somebody that they had never met before. They didn't meet for coffee. Um, and they met this individual in a, as they termed it, motel room. Not hotel, but motel. And that should be a red flag. It's a lot of times when you see stories of things gone bad, there are red flags that are ignored. And sadly, many of the the bad things that happen, happen to us when we're newer to the lifestyle because we don't have, we don't have the experience, we don't have, we haven't built a network of friends to share bad experiences or hear their bad experiences or we haven't involved ourselves in a in a community whether it's an in-person community or an online community uh, we haven't really developed those and so in a way when we're new we're kind of flying a little blind and people who are looking to take advantage will um, take advantage of that lack of experience one of my most stats I go to most often um, is from the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom, and they have found um, that 20% of people uh, have their consent violated in the lifestyle um, within their first five years of exploring or being involved in the lifestyle, which their own research suggests that after that five-year mark, the odds of bad things happening sort of drastically falls for people because they have gained that experience. So let's let's talk first and start with trying to um, mitigate the risk to ourselves physically. Uh, obviously, for many of us, uh, the lifestyle in BDSM is more than just casual. Uh, 
can keep play. And there are those who just do the kinky play, and that's absolutely wonderful. But for let's start with the physical side, and then we'll we'll move into because for many of us, like I said, it, it's it's deeper than the physical. So we'll start with the physical, and then we'll then we'll transition, if you will, over to to the, to kind of maintaining our our mental safety, our our or sanity, I guess, if you will. Um, but the first thing is we have to understand the risk that goes on when we engage in really any kind of physical lifestyle activities. Even something as simple as a spanking can have risk. If the person giving the spanking doesn't know where to spank or where not to spank, that can lead to damage. There are so many times that I see pictures where a submissive will probably be showing off um, their post seeing, say, bruises from impact play. And you see the bruises in places where they shouldn't be, like around the kidneys um, or around the spinal area. Um, and if you're going to have that sort of impact play, it needs to be on kind of fleshy places that can can take it you know like our backside i mean that's that has for most people has a little padding and, and for if you're like me and marley has a little, maybe just a little too much at least in, in my the way i view my body but anyway um we need to understand the risk of what we're engaging in and once again the default especially if people are new and this default setting can be it's on the dominant to explain to me the risk. And yes, yes, there is a responsibility, I believe, on a dominant to say, hey, let's do this thing. Here's what's going to happen. And here is, you know, the risk factors involved in it. But submissives also need to understand and do their own homework. So they understand uh, the risks that are potentially there. And while if you are in a loving partnership with a dominant, I can understand wanting to put all of your faith and trust uh, that this wonderful person is sharing with you everything. But there is still, I believe, the old-fashioned, and it really is kind of an old-fashioned thing now, personal responsibility um, that we have to do our own homework, to understand the risk ourselves. Um, even if you are a submissive, while you may not find it stimulating to learn the mechanics of how to give us banking, you should know them for no other reason than you will know whether the person who is giving you a spanking knows what the heck they're doing and whether um, you might find yourself at risk. So it's very important that each of us, for our own personal responsibility, do our own homework, that we educate ourselves about what we are going to do. And yes, it is wonderful when we can rely on and we have somebody we trust to share those details with us and to talk things through. But when we do our, do our own homework, rather than just relying on the other person, oftentimes we it causes questions or things that we need to talk about before the scene so we can better understand it, not only from a safety sense, but just from a how this is going to 
impact things going forward? How will this potentially bring us closer? How will this, um, you know, be erotic for us? What if this happens? What if that happens? Uh, so it's very, very important that, especially when it comes to our physical well-being, that we, we invest and do our homework to understand how to do things safely and how to have them done to us safely, depending on which side of the, the coin you're on. Um, but it's it's very important. In fact, one of the one of the most poignant lessons that I learned early, early on at one of the first uh it was a munch, and then after the munch they had an educational um I guess you could say class where it was hands-on if you had a partner. I didn't. Um, but you could watch. And there was a couple who was brand brand spanking new, and they wanted to explore spanking. And the instructor did something that I found, and it was just eye-popping. Uh, the instructor had the dominant uh, kind of bend over the, they had a, uh, it's called a spanking bench, and it's just a, um, a padded, basically a padded bench that allows a person to sort of be in an optimal, optimal spanking position. And the instructor talked them through it and had the submissive being the one actually administering the spankings. Um, and I found, and, and later on they did, they did flip around and change. So the dominant got, you know, hands-on experience as well in doing it. But to start with the submissive giving the spanking, I thought that was just fantastic. Um, and it's, and it's a lesson that has has obviously stuck with me. Um, so it's very important. That was kind of my first exposure to the importance of of understanding what is going to happen in the physical realm um, from from both sides of the slash, no matter what side that you reside on. And of course, we also need to talk about the importance of communication. And communication probably seems like it's a topic that I talk about weekly. And everything, because everything in this lifestyle revolves around communication. Uh, and you have to be able to communicate because you have to be able to communicate your boundaries with uh, whether it's a partner or whether it's just a playmate. You still have to communicate those boundaries. You have to communicate your hard limits, your soft limits. And of course, most importantly, we have to be able to communicate about consent and clearly communicate about consent. There can't be any muddy waters when it comes to consent. If the water is muddy, then you don't have consent. And part of the conversation before things happen is conversations about, about the potential risk, even if they might be small or minor. And on top of that, we have to have conversation about emergency plans. What if things go wrong? I mean, have you ever thought about this with a with a prospective um, um, partner? What if things go wrong? Um, and we often may have a conversation with a partner. You know, if we're in a relationship, you know, heaven forbid, if we're in a car accident, you know, hey, here's here's my emergency contact people. These are the people you need to get a hold of because life happens, but we often don't do the same thing when it comes to BDSM play. 
And this is especially true if we are going to um, play casually or play with somebody who is, you know, a friend with kingtastic benefits. We need to have those conversations. And it can be as simple as, you know, hey, if something goes haywire, uh, for example, in the town that I live in, there are two hospitals, which is kind of amazing for the size of the town it is, but there are two hospitals. But oftentimes, the in the wonderful world of health insurance, um, one hospital takes certain insurances, and the other one takes other insurances, and they very rarely overlap. So you need to have a conversation where if things go bump and you're going to drive me to the emergency room and perhaps I'm a little dazed or out of it from, from whatever has happened. It doesn't necessarily mean something has happened or gone wrong in the scene. Maybe it's just a um, a reaction that you had. Maybe you didn't realize that um, there was um, there was a, a stray peanut that got into your food and you have a peanut allergy and you need to go to the ER now because you don't have an EpiPen. Um, so you need to have the conversation about just little things like that. Like, you know, if I do need to see a doctor, where do, which, which hospital would you prefer to go to? Or do you have, and the older we get, uh, I, I don't like to admit to growing up or growing older or leveling up, however we say it. But as we do that, um, knock on wood, um, for me, I don't have any health issues. Thank the, you know, thank the Lord I don't, um, if you believe in such things. Um, but we need to talk about that. Um, we need to talk about triggers. Um, if something may be a potential trigger, uh, we need to talk you know, about those health concerns. Um, maybe somebody that you're going to play with is diabetic. Um, so you need to have a conversation so you understand what, what you know, a low blood sugar episode looks like or what happens if the blood sugar spikes. All these sorts of things need to, need to be discussed that can impact our physical well-being um, during, during a scene. And unfortunately, the older we get, the, the, um, more challenges physically we may face, and we do need to be able to discuss them uh, with with partners, whether it's play or serious partners. Um, so there's all of that to consider when we talk about our physical well-being during play. Now, when we come to the emotional side of it, this is really, since it's mental, it's much more diverse because everyone is very unique in how our minds work. So the most important thing, I believe, is that wonderful thing called open communication. Being able to have honest communication about our mental safety, whether it's our mental health or just how things make us feel, how we are feeling that day, um, because even if we talked about and decided on limits and what we were going to do on Friday and we put all this plan together on Wednesday, um, maybe we had a absolutely craftastic Friday and we're not in the right headspace. We need to be able to talk and be honest and have that conversation about it. 
And of course, part of that is being an active listener, whether it's your playmate or your soulmate. Um, be an active listener. Listen and hear what they're saying. Um, don't just, you know, nod and say, okay, dear. Yes, dear. Actively listen. Ask questions. Make sure that you understand. Uh, make sure that we respect boundaries and, and set boundaries, that we set good boundaries and that we respect our boundaries and that we expect our partner or partners to do the same and respect our boundaries and we'll respect theirs. Check in, check in, check in. Um, no, we're not going to a hotel. Um, speaking of hotel, please never, ever, never, ever, for the first time, meet somebody in their hotel room. Never, please, please, people, don't do that. So many, so many bad things come out of that. Um, okay, but check in with your partner. Um, check in with them before you play. Check in with them during, especially if you are new. If you are either a new partnership or you are new play partners, check in during the playtime. Are you doing okay? Is that too hard, too soft, more of this, less of that? How are you doing? If you're newer, you might think it ruins the mood, um, but I think it does just the opposite because it helps It helps the dominant to understand the nonverbal communication from the submissive, and it helps the submissive feel safe. The safer a submissive feels um, and the safer a dominant feels, you start to build trust. Um, and then, of course, once you are done with the scene, uh, whether it's part of your aftercare routine or whether it's part of um, after aftercare, um, discuss what happened. Um, talk about how you're doing mentally. You know, how are you doing right now? Ask, you know, like the, there's a TV um, campaign on right now, and I believe the acronym is, is you know, to ask. And uh what that stands for, I can't remember in the moment, um, but check in. Talk about what happened. Talk about how it's making you feel today, how it made you feel at the time, how you think it might make you feel tomorrow, um, and and talk through those things, even if they're even if they're not necessarily positive emotions. If you're not feeling great, if you're feeling dom drop or you're feeling sub drop, be open and honest and share that. The other thing we all do as humans, we all process. Um, one of the things that I have learned to do is to say to somebody, you know, thank you for sharing that. This information uh, is going to take me a little bit to process. And I try to put a time frame on it, like, you know, can you give me an hour to process what you just shared? Um, especially if it's, it's afterwards or if we're sitting there in person, you know, can you, you know, I, I just need a minute to process this. Um, and it's asking, it's okay to ask for sort of a timeout uh, to process the information you've been, been given. And especially if it's, if it's something that invokes emotion, strong emotion, whether it be a feeling of being upset or a feeling of absolute sheer joy, sometimes it's best to sort of ask for a, a brief timeout, whether it be, can you give me a minute? Or if it's say, perhaps it's a text conversation where something just got shared that floored you. Um, just, you know, hey, can you give me an hour to process this? Whatever it is, 
ask for time to emotionally process because as we process, we better understand why we're reacting the way we do so we can have a conversation about it that is more even healed without letting our emotions go kind of sort of go wild when our emotions get wild we may say or do something that we regret so it's best to be able to ask for that time for a minute to an hour or whatever it is to ask for that processing time the other thing on the emotional mental side of things once again it's so important um, to educate yourself before you journey into something new um, if you have sort of built your community and you're say a dominant and you have other dominants that are um, that you're friendly with i'm not saying you have to be friends with but you're friendly with um talk to them have you done this before how did you feel afterwards get some ideas of the feelings that you may encounter after something after you do something in the scene especially for the first time or the first or second or third time um to kind of understand what what may happen you may not feel the, the way others do it's very normal not to feel the way others do um, but it's very important to understand how it could make you feel, especially if it's an emotional response that you might not be expecting. Um, and that's the same if you are, are a submissive. Now, staying safer in this lifestyle, of course, involves building trust. And you have to trust who you are playing with whether it is as i said before a trusted partner or if it's a playmate and it's especially the case if you are just sort of casually enjoying playing this lifestyle there is absolutely nothing wrong with that um, many many people do it each and every day but you have to trust that person that you're going to engage and play with you cannot just Oh, well, you know, they they seem to know what they're doing. They're well-respected online, or they've got, you know, umpteen followers on their blog, or, boy, at the munch, everybody really kind of seemed to gravitate towards them. Those are all wonderful things, but that doesn't mean you should trust them. Trusting takes time. And since we're engaging in lifestyle play, which does have its risk, it does have its dangers, um, varying from small on up to sort of extreme risk, depending on what you're going to do, you need to be able to trust that person. And trust takes time. And something so often you see when people who are new, they are jonesing. Uh, they're really, really wanting to experience things. So they will kind of rush that process along or find ways our, our the human brain is unique in how we rationalize things and we can rationalize a million different ways from sunday how this person or that person would be safe for us to play with and you can't rush trust you just can't and if you don't absolutely trust somebody then the answer about playing with them should be now, next, we talk about this all the time. Safe words 
or signals or safe words or safe gestures, safe signals. Those are incredibly important because those are sort of, in a way, oftentimes a last line of defense. Um, they are safe words and typically come in two varieties. The very much like a traffic light green, everything is good. We, we don't need to worry about it. We're good. Um, and then the first variety of safe word is the sort of the yellow light caution. You are, the scene is too intense. This is hurting more than I want it to. Um, I'm starting to experience subspace and I don't want to go there. Uh, whatever it is, it's a caution. You know, it's, it's too, we need to dial things back. Um, and so it's very important that you have your safe word for caution and also an unmistakable gesture. Um, depending on how you're playing, let's face it, you know, we see pictures every day on, online of people in ball gags or, or things, you know, various things in their mouth that would make it very hard to say your safe word because well, we have something in our mouth, you know, sounding like one of the teachers from the Peanuts is not going to tell a dominant clearly what is going on. So having a predetermined gesture uh, whether it be twirling your hand uh, or tapping the headboard, whatever it is, an unmistakable gesture if you are going to um, be in a situation where you may not be able to speak, um, or even if you are not, say, gagged, and you need to use your gesture because maybe, <laughs> I think there are times when we can be very aroused and find it very hard to get the right words out. So in times like that, having that gesture, something that's unmistakable, uh, the waving of a hand a certain way can communicate that. So it's very important to have the caution gesture and the, the, the red gesture, the, the stop now. And just so you know, whenever somebody uses their red safe word, that means stop now. It doesn't mean stop in a minute, stop in 30 seconds, 10 seconds, stop now. Stop now. Are you okay? What's wrong? Immediately. Um, I, in my whole time in the experience, in the lifestyle, I've only had a partner use their red safe word once. And that was because they needed to use the restroom immediately. Um, they had just orgasmed and they needed to go. And so they just immediately like, I have to go. I have to go now. And rather than trying to explain that, they just, you know, said, red, stop. What's wrong? Are you okay? And it was, I need to pee. All right. You know, so it can be, it doesn't necessarily have to be a safe word because something has gone wrong or something is too intense or the dominant or submissive is doing something that's wrong or making us uncomfortable. It can be as simple as, holy cow, we got to stop this because I got to, got to go to the, the restroom now. So don't necessarily think of safe words just as um, for if something is going wrong. So it's very, very important to have them because you never know when you're going to need them. And if you're going to play casually, if you're going to have a friend with benefits, um, oftentimes you'll see people with unique safe words like, you know, pineapple and tarantula. Pineapple is yellow and tarantula means stop. 
that's well and good, but if you're going to play casually, my advice is stick to yellow and red because it's more universal. Um, the person isn't going to confuse tarantula and pineapple. Uh, it could happen. Keeping it simple in situations like that, I believe, is for the best. And also, I think dominant should have safe words as well. Yes, a dominant can just stop a scene um, if they feel it's too intense or if they need to use the bathroom now, they can just stop and say, hey, here's what's happening. Uh, but it's also important that they have safe words because a safe word is a, it's, I guess, a red flag. It means we need to stop now because something has gone wrong. And it could be um, something that um, I have a friend who has a, a heart condition. Now, as far as I know, uh, he is not a listener of this podcast, nor is he kinky. He, from all accounts that I've known him for a really long time, very, very venerable, but he has a heart condition. Um, so, you know, he if he was kinky and involved in all of this, he may need to use a safe word if his submissive say is floating in or near subspace to communicate that, um, hey, I'm, uh, you know, my chest is kind of starting to hurt here. Um, I need you to immediately come back from um, from subspace and um, and help me. So yeah, I think it's very important that dominance have safe words to communicate. Um, you know, if something important has happened on their end. The other thing that's very important in the whole aspect of playing is nonverbal communication. And I sort of geek out with nonverbal communication. I love to learn all the little nuances of my partner and their nonverbal communication, especially when it comes to play. Because when you learn their nonverbal communication as a dominant, for me, it adds extra fun because I can tell, okay, they're really enjoying this because of their nonverbals. And for example, if we were in a scene where I was edging them, watching their nonverbals is absolutely fantastic because through the nonverbal communication, I know how close I have them, whether I want to back it off, intensify things, and being able to learn all the nuances of nonverbal communication, it can really add to a level of intensity to the scene. Uh, the other thing is nonverbal communication and nonverbal cues take time to learn. And unfortunately, people will sort of let the past be predictors with nonverbal communication, like, oh, my last submissive reacted this way um, when I was doing something right. And I noticed that, you know, my new partner is reacting the same way, so I must be doing things right. And that's not always the case. Um, that nonverbal cue could be the, you're not doing that right. So it's very important to invest the time into talk about nonverbal communications. Hey, I noticed when you did this, um, it's, it's very important to, to know and to invest the time to learn those nonverbals, uh, whether you're a submissive or a dominant, because if you're a submissive and you're learning your dominance nonverbals, um, you can, you know, just like a dominant, you can get in your dominant's head. And let's face it, that's 
that's for the most fun, at least for me, in the lifestyle lives, is when you are engaging the mind rather than, yes, the physical side is nice, um, but when you have the mind engaged, it's, it's when it's um, absolutely heavenly. So let's now move into, there are four basic safety philosophies or philosophies for trying to keep us safer in the lifestyle that are that are out there today. Um, the first one, and this is where I believe most people land when they first come to the lifestyle. And this one comes from the world of fireworks. And when I say fireworks, I'm not talking about fireworks in the bedroom with having an absolute hot time uh, with your kinktastic lover. I'm actually talking about the things that go up in rockets and blow up in the sky. Uh, I want to say it was a community in Massachusetts. I could be wrong, but it was somewhere here in the States. And they were looking to promote firework safety. If somebody shot their eye out. Uh, and they came up with the idea of safe and sane. You know, be safe and be sane. You know, don't be... Don't have drank, you know, 24 beers and start lighting your fireworks off. You know, be safe and be, you know, sane with it. Now, I don't know who decides what is sane or insane when it comes to to um, things that blow up. But, you know, that's where it started. And somebody in the lifestyle said, hey, safe and sane. And since everything in BDSM happens with consent, we'll call it safe, sane, and consensual. And ta-da, here we are. The philosophy went from there. So we have SSC, safe, sane, and consensual. And that's where most people land when they come to the lifestyle. They um, let this principle be their guide. Um, and it's really based on communication, obviously, um, safety, of course. Um, and as far as what's sane or insane, um, it's the people that are setting the ground rules and setting the limits. Um, what one, you know, what one dominant and submissive say is sane for them, another would look at it and go, "Whoa, no, that's that's too far for me." Um, but that's where most people land. It's 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 simple. It's easy, it prioritizes our safety, it prioritizes communication, and it is it is a great place to start. Now, the next one that has been around for quite a long time, and I believe that when you find an amazing partner and you are into you know, your amazing partnerhood for a long period of time, whether that's over a year or two years, whatever it is for you, your, how you negotiate or how you interact when you're playing sort of moves from that safe, sane, consensual model. It doesn't for everybody, but a lot of people uh, do this, and it has happened for myself. You move um, from that, that SSC con concept, you move into risk-aware consensual kink, which is where the people involved understand the risk of what is going to happen. Um, as you evolve and grow in a partnership, things may become more intense. You may go into some um, deeper 
deeper fantasy experiences. You may try new things and build upon them so that you're doing things that might be a little riskier um, than where you were um, when you, say, first first started dating, connecting, and eventually first started playing. You have You have grown together and you're taking on things that are, for all intents and purposes, a higher risk. And that's where that slow slow migration, not mitigation, migration happens um, to, a, to a rack philosophy where um, everybody involved understands the risk. Obviously, consent is first and foremost, so we have all of that consent as a piece of it, as always. Um, and so that you are doing, honestly, you're doing things that are a little bit more risky, a little bit more intense. And so you you sort of move into that risk-aware category. And I do need to say, because there are people out there who will badmouth um, the philosophies they don't agree with. Um, there are people who, unfortunately, have seen um, things said where, you know, never play with somebody who doesn't believe in safe, sane, and consensual, or never play with somebody who doesn't, doesn't believe in rack. These ways to engage in the lifestyle, there's no right or wrong way except the way that works for you. What works for you is fabulous. As long as you embrace, you know, safety, risk awareness, consensuality, uh, you know, keeping yourself safer, all of that is important. So it's a matter of what works for you, not necessarily right and wrong. Okay, so put that little soapbox away. There are two newer kids on the block when it comes to to these methods. Um, the new, well, not the newest, but uh, it could be about the same time these, these came to be. Now, we all have wonderful acronyms here in, in, in the world for World of BDSM. And one of the more unique ones is prick. Only in BDSM can it be a good thing to be a prick. Um, what prick means is personal responsibility informed consensual kink. Um, basically, the philosophy kind of a prick is that it's your responsibility to know what's going on. It's your responsibility to understand what is either you're going to do or what you are going to have done to you, how it works. It's your responsibility to understand the risk. And I have seen uh, most of the pushback on this from the submissive side, saying it should be on the dominant to lead that or the dominant to teach that. And, and this prick philosophy is a way that a dominant can push responsibility off onto the submissive. Well, I said we were going to do uh, this and that, and the submissive agreed to it. It's not my responsibility to make sure that the submissive didn't know what this and that was. Um, so afterwards, they were upset that we did this and that, but that's what they agreed to. And I get it. You're right. Um, the submissives who think have voiced that, absolutely right. The dominant should have said, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Do you know what X is? Explain to me what X is. How do you view X? Okay, this is how I view X. Okay, same with Y, same with Z. Those conversations should happen. Should happen no matter how you 
how you practice it. Um, but I do believe that we do need to have personal responsibility. Now, whether you follow PREC or don't, um, we do need to have responsibility that starts with all of us individually in this lifestyle. We can't just sort of blame the dominant. Um, I have that Blame Canada song from South Park, the movie in my head now. Um, but we can't always just blame the dominant um, for not thoroughly explaining. Yes, there's a responsibility there, but there's also, I believe, a responsibility on the submissive side to do your homework or the switch, you know, whatever whatever role fits. But we all have to know what's going on. And for me, that's the essence of where Prick got its roots, um, to make sure that everyone understands that it's on each of us, each individual, to prioritize and to educate ourselves. So that's where Prick came from. Whether it's right or wrong for you, or whether you agree that it's it's more on the dominant, I still believe there's a of personal responsibility that we all have. So you don't have to practice prick, but please be responsible. Um, please educate yourself and do all that good jazz. The final one is the four C's. And this, the four C's, you typically see this more in MS, master-slave relationships, but it makes sense for just good old-fashioned DS as well. And the four C's, uh, I bet you you can't guess that consent is one of the C's. Actually, you never would have guessed that. So yes, consent is is part of it. So we have caring. And what caring means in a sense is care for your partner, whether it's a play partner or your, you know, your soulmate. Care for them and care about what you're going to do to them or care about what's going to be done to you. You know, care. Honestly, care. Don't just you know, from a dominance perspective, don't just flail away on their on their butt with a flogger just because you need to get your yayas out. Care for your partner. Communicate with your partner. Once again, you know, you have to be able to communicate and have those hard conversations. And of course, like I said, we've already mentioned consent. Consent is there with all of these. Um, and caution. And what caution means is understand the risk. Know what's going to happen. Know the risk. Um, communicate if you have any, you know, potential triggers or you have a physical um, ailment that might come into play. Um, and it's really kind of more of an empathetic approach um, than, than the other ones. And it is one of the new kids on the block. And the four C's is something that I am seeing a lot more of people who are newer to the lifestyle adopting. And I think it's absolutely fabulous that that um, that they are finding this to be, you know, a a home for them in the way that they practice and it makes sense for them. Rather than kind of being stuck in the old the old ways, which would be the, the safe saying consensual or the So it's absolutely fantastic. And the other thing about these kind of four primary methods is you can take bits from each one. You can kind of create your own, um, create your own adventure and use these as your, your guide for working on keeping you safer. However it works, if you want to take a little bit of a personal responsibility and you really want to make sure you're caring and communicating, you know, all of that, however it works for you, um, is, is vitally important. So 
those are the four, without diving in and debating them for hours. Speaking of debating them for hours, if you ever want to have fun and you are at an in-person lunch, kind of ask around and find somebody who is, for whatever, you know, uh, whether they practice the four C's or SSC or they practice rack or or they're, they're a prick fanatic, uh, whatever it is, find somebody like that that's maybe a little, maybe a little a bit of a loud talker. Uh, and then you find somebody who might be a kind of a loud talker who, um, you know, they're a rack aficionado. That's their jam. And the person that the other person loud talker you found is as a, they're a safe, sane, consensual person. And just kind of politely nudge the conversation between the two of them um, into rack versus uh, SSC. And oh, it's it's great fun because they will being loud talkers, they will start to debate their sides, and because they're loud, they get everybody's attention. Uh, it's kind of fun to hear these, you know, hear a hear a debate that is since it's in person, um, rather than, for example, online, where things quickly degenerate into trolling. Um, in person, there's civility there. And also at a munch, you have hosts that are leading, that are there to keep things from uh, degenerating into uh, a, uh, you know, a trolling in-person session. But it does spark interesting debates. And so, anyways, if you ever want to kind of play the devil at a munch, um, that's always a fun way to do it. Uh, but the most important thing when it comes to keeping yourself both mentally and physically safe, -er, we can never mitigate all the dangers that we face. It doesn't matter whether you're dominant. It doesn't matter whether you're submissive. It doesn't matter if you are a switch. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation. What matters when it comes to keeping yourself safer, it starts with yourself and ends with yourself. Making good choices, building and maintaining trust with those you play with, and just making, once again, smart decisions, having hard conversations, talking about consent. If you start to feel the need to safe word, use your safe word. Don't sit there and say, well, you know, I really like this new person and this is maybe the first or second time we've played together and I don't want to disappoint them, so I'm not going to say my safe word. Say your safe word. Say it. Use it. Use that safe gesture. Don't wait when it comes to your safety. Safety is something that we own individually and we can do all the right things and still have bad things happen to us. Um, that very much can happen. That can happen to us in the lifestyle, outside the lifestyle. No matter where we are, it can all happen to us, unfortunately. But invest in communication. Invest in RAC, um, SSC, PRIC, the four C's. Prioritize your safety. Prioritize communication. Make sure you're with somebody that you trust. Remember, trust takes time. Even if we're jonesing for our BDSM fix, we need to have trust with who we're going to engage with. And always, always, always do what you can to keep yourself 
safer. So that is what I have on safety without going over the hour mark because I could still keep going on um, something that I am I am passionate about. Um, if you want to hear a story about something that happened to me, uh, you can scroll down through, I believe it's way back in season one, um, and the title will reference Flaming Cars. And it's a story about how I thought I was doing everything right. And in a way, I did so many things right, uh, except I made a wrong choice when it came down to it. I overshared, and I also unfortunately made a wrong choice in who I trusted. And so it's my telling of that incident. Um, and I think it's important, uh, especially if you are a dominant, a male dominant, um, you might want to hear it because typically we men think it won't happen to us. So there's that if you are interested in a deep dive into a past episode. And if not, um, I want to thank you for your listen and thank you for your time. I know how precious time is. And look, we are approaching the hour mark and you've spent an hour with me and I so appreciate you investing that time with me and giving me um, an hour of your life. I, I truly appreciate that. So if you haven't already, whatever platform you're listening to me on, scroll down or if it's right there on your screen, tap the follow button so you never miss a wonderful episode of my podcast, Chatting Flight Keeper. And next week, our 2024 BDSM Odyssey um, will be continuing. And next week, we are going to do a little bit of an introduction um, to the B and BDSM for bondage. So once again, don't forget to click that follow button. I thank you for listening and have a wonderful week. And I look forward to chatting with you next week.